0: Hey everybody, this is Trevor coming to you from Man Up to Cancer headquarters in beautiful Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Today I am doing a solo, uncut show, uh, unfiltered, unplugged. Um, The awesome team from Redbird Media Group is um, taking a break from production this week. Um, But I do want to mention them. So my pod squad, Kellen Wellborn, Susie Pond, Alice Anderson amazing folks who help make this show um, possible and what it is and their amazing work. Um, Big news this week, uh, we have gone over 10,000 downloads. So 10,000 times that the Man Up to Cancer podcast has been downloaded since we launched um, last July, which is completely mind-blowing and awesome and never could have imagined that this little show about cancer and dudes and <laughs> emotions and all the stuff that we go through in cancer land would, um, you know, would get interest like that. But, you know, clearly it is resonating. And I, I want to thank each and every one of you, um, all of you who have listened and contributed and all the amazing guests. And, and you know, I'm just from the bottom of my heart, thank you for supporting this content and, and where we are headed with it and, and sort of the, the overall concept that men should not be going through cancer alone. So um, I think some cliff notes are in order. Um, for those who are just getting to know me, I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor slash patient slash warrior slash whatever um, language you like to use. Um, And man up to cancer is a call to action. It is a call to action to inspire men to avoid isolation during the cancer journey. Uh, we know through our own experience and through um, scientific research that men tend to check out and women tend to reach out in general when diagnosed with cancer or any other life-threatening illness. And a lot of this is just based on the way that we are taught, conditioned in this culture to, uh, you know, as men to suck it up and be tougher and Face things on our own, but what I'm trying to do with man up to cancer is to really encourage people that um, that going the solo route is is just fraught with peril, man. And um, we're much better off as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Um, so I want to just today I want to spend some time um, getting people up to speed on my own personal journey with cancer. So I have hit the three year mark. I uh, in in March. So March 22nd of this year was my three-year cancerversary. Um, So three years ago I I was diagnosed and it has been, wow, I mean, I can't, it's hard to say what aspect of my life and our lives as a family hasn't been changed by this. So just again, as background, I live here in Cape Elizabeth, Maine with my wife, Sarah, our 15-year-old Sage, and our 13-year-old Elsie. Um... And yeah, let me just give you the, so over the past three years, I have had, um, colon surgery, two liver surgeries. I've done a short stint of conventional chemotherapy. And then most of my treatment has been on immunotherapy. And these are drugs that basically harness my own immune system, fire up my own immune system to recognize and go after my cancer. Um, Unfortunately, even with all of my treatments and everything that we've done um, to g- keep my cancer in check, the, the cancer has been progressing recently. I had a really good period of stability on um, immunotherapy last year, but then these stupid uh, blobbies, I call them blobbies, my, my cancer is what they call mucinous. So the tumors that I have in my abdomen right now are kind of like jelly-like Like mucin is like mucus. It's like this jelly-like substance. I know, it's really gross, right? Um, Imagine like those blobbies inside your body. Um, You know, we all have stuff like this, but um, in any case, so I have these mucinous tumors um, in my abdomen and I have a bunch of small scattered ones and those have not changed at all. Those have been really well controlled by immunotherapy. Um, I also have a one tumor in my liver that has been really controlled by immunotherapy and it hasn't changed in like two years. So that is presumed dead. So that's great. Um, so the cancer that we know of now, and that has become a problem is really in the abdomen. Um, we also call it, you know, the, the peritoneum, we call them perimets. So these are metastases from, from my original colon cancer that spread into other parts of my body. And the two There's two fairly large masses right now. One of them is about five centimeters long, and the other one is about seven centimeters long. And both are in really tricky spots um, in my abdomen, sort of nestled right up against my stomach. And the one, the seven centimeter one, is the one that's really been growing pretty. That mass has been growing pretty, you know, not ballooning, but it's been growing consistently and somewhat rapidly. So to the point where it's really, you know, pressing up against my stomach. And so I'm in this weird place with treatment because immunotherapy has done a great job and I'm mostly stable. But then I have this one mass that is this, particularly this one mass that is just being a real pain in the ass. Um, so where I'm at now is, so I was on a clinical trial where I was trying two immunotherapy drugs. Um, and basically failed out of that trial because of this one problem mass. So now we are at a place where we need to come up with a new game plan. And, you know, three years into the journey, um, I guess in some ways I feel like, uh, I feel like a veteran at this point. Like I've gone through, even though I don't remember a lot of the stuff, (laughs) it's funny. Like I think back on like, I, I talk about going through all these surgeries and things and I, yeah, I guess I like do remember them if I really like try to focus on certain sounds or smells or, you know, tactile things, but for the most part, it's a it's kind of a blur, <laughs> but, um, so I guess in some ways I feel like a, a kind of a grizzled veteran, like, all right, we're going to change things up. You know, you just keep you KFG, you keep fucking going, you, you keep pushing, um, looking for that path through and the, and the, it's like you're navigating the ocean and, and there's rocks everywhere, but you know, you know that there is a path to safety or you hope that there is one and you just try to find that and you do your best to try to navigate through those rocks and get to where you want to be. And so that's really where I'm at with, um, you know, with this change in in course is what is it about this mass that's different? Why is it growing? Um, And how can we target it? How can we um, get it to settle down? So that's the plan is next week, Um, I'm going to go into Johns Hopkins and uh, hopefully get a biopsy done on that mass. Um, we're also going to take a look at my stomach to sort of see if that mass is invading the stomach lining or or what's happening there. Um, and then we're going to talk about options, whether it's, um, more aggressive chemo back to conventional chemo, whether it's radiation, whether it's immunotherapy plus radiation, whether it's chemo plus radiation, there's lots of options on the table. And I trust that I have a team in place right now that can look at the big picture and say, you know, here's what we want to do for the next step. So really that's it. it it's it's at looking for that next safe place in that navigation and um, coming up with a plan, executing it, and then go from there. Um, so yeah, the, man, I mean, overall, Grateful to be here. I say I'm living on bonus play. Um, I feel like that a lot of the times. I, I you know, being, um, you know, leading man up to cancer and and being a patient advocate, I have been experiencing a lot more loss. Um, really dear friends, people that I loved and respected that have passed away from um, colorectal cancer and other cancers, and you know, that's hard. It's always hard to see that it's, um, it's difficult to try to wrap your brain around, (sighs) around this disease and, and how quickly it can take someone's life. And then for those who do, you know, achieve stability and and get to that place of being cancer-free or long-term remission, um, just the joy and the celebration there. So there's, there's always a lot of um, emotions along the way, especially when you're actively involved in the cancer community. Um, so personally, just grateful to be three years in, and with every passing month, um, to know that I'm continuing to live. And 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 I and again, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I I absolutely think about those people that have passed every day, and I am fueled to live my best life because of them. And I know that that's what I would want for the people that I leave behind is to soak up life, live as with as much purpose and as much intention and joy as you possibly can. And I know that that intensity is not possible all the time. There's definitely, you know, that's not um, feasible, but it is, it is a goal and it does, it does push me. It does push me every day to, to be better and to be as good as I can be and to make as my good friend Lona used to say in our cancer group at the Dempsey Center, to make it your best day possible. Not the best day ever, <laughs> because that's not really realistic for a lot of us in, in cancer land, but to make it your best day possible. Um, so, th- you know, the, the tougher aspects of all of this, the, the difficulty here really is with family. You know, it would be a lot different if I was a hermit living up in the North Maine woods facing cancer on, on my own. And it didn't have an impact on my family, friends and community, but it, it does. And it always will. So going through this as a family is the hardest part. You know, when Sarah and the girls get that news about the, the clinical trial, not getting the results we wanted and this mass on my stomach really starting to be a, a more of a problem than it was is, um, is really hard. Um, there's just, you know, and and as a dad and as a husband, like the immediate instinct is to want to try to fix everything, right. To just take it away. And, you know, you don't want to see your children and your wife, you know, suffer because of a health issue that you're facing. Um, and I'm doing my best to do that. You know, I, and and we talk about all that time, all the time about what I can do in my control is to, to take every step, to do everything in my power, to make sure I'm getting the best care, to make sure I'm making the right, the best decisions so that I can put myself in the best place for long-term survival. And, and they all know that. um, But the, the hardship of going through it is, it really is unavoidable. Like there's no way for me to just take that hardship away from them. So I have to just accept the fact that some of the hardship is just going to be there because we love each other you know we we care about each other so deeply and we love each other so much that that it's hard to go through this illness and, you know and i got to also remind the girls like they try to normalize everything and you know like kids do and they're very resilient but sometimes they do need to be reminded like um they don't have a lot of peers in their in their middle school and high school that have a parent going through a life-threatening illness like this Um, there are some here and there and they've made some good connections, which is great. But, um, but it's not very common and and they don't have a lot of people in their, you know, day-to-day lives that are going through this. So I have to say, you know, try to meet their needs, you know, however we can support them, whether it's through the Dempsey Center with counseling or, um, they're involved in a teen group, which is, which is awesome for, for teens who come from a family that is impacted by cancer. Um. So, yeah, it's, you know, trying our best to give all of us the support we need. Me as the patient, Sarah as, you know, the, the caregiver um, and someone who I've depended on for financial and insurance and all that stuff and the burden on her that that places. And and then the kids, of course, just wanting them to be kids, wanting them to be teens. And, and they've had it double rough over the past year or so. The, talk about abnormal world with them, the pandemic and then on top of it, um, continuing to go through the stress of having a dad facing stage four cancer. So that's the impact on the family. um, and, and just the uncertainty around it. It's hard to, as a family going through this, and you just don't have any certainty on, like talking about the future and planning and things like that. Not that anyone has any certainty really, but it's really in our, that uncertainty is really up in our faces. So at some points we just feel like this pressure to fit like decades into months or weeks, you know, I believe that I'm going to live years. I believe that I can find this path that I'm looking for to get me to the point where I'm long-term stable. Like I, I still am hopeful for that. But I also am realistic about this disease and I understand and my philosophy is that I'm, I'm a creation, not a creator. So I don't have a hundred percent control over my cell biology and my cancer. So if my life is not to be as long as we all want it to be, then absolutely. Like I, I have urgency. I have that feeling of, you know, what can we do now to make memories and to spend that time together and to really just connect as a family today. And for whatever time we have given here. Um, but that that difficult, that, that sort of loss of that normal, I guess that normal thinking of planning ahead. What do we want to do next year? What do we, what do we want to be doing in five years? Um, so it's almost like you, you're, we're trying to do everything at once. We're trying to live for the moment, but we're also trying to not take away that idea of, yeah, we want to plan for the future and things we want to do together. And put things on the calendar to look forward to. Absolutely. So there's a duality there. That's, it can be disorienting. Sometimes it's not easy. Um, and it's just an adjustment to this, to this reality. Um, but man, three years. So just, I guess want to get back to gratitude a little bit. I, for, I've, with everything going on with that mass in my stomach, I've been feeling a little more uncomfortable in my abdomen lately and also a little more nausea and lack of appetite. So things like that. Um, but right around the time of my three year cancerversary, we decided that we were going to do, we were going to hike Mount Pierce, um, which is a mountain in, um, New Hampshire. Um, still had some like really good snowpack on it. Um, but if we wore our, we have these, you know, winter spikes for our boots, um, and you know, it's a pretty, it's a beginner to moderate hike, but you know, pretty challenging for someone in my physical shape. Um, but we decided we'd give it a shot. So me and Sarah and some of our good friends, um, went to Mount Pierce on a Saturday. Oh man, maybe it was a Sunday. Uh, anyways, we went to Mount Pierce and it was a beautiful 50 degree bluebird, sunny skies, just a gorgeous day. I ended up hiking like down in my t-shirt, um, and then getting up at the top and putting back on the layers. But, um, I felt pretty rough to begin with. Like the first 20 minutes was, I was like, oh boy, I'm not so sure. But then after I got into my stride, um, I felt really good, felt better than I had in a long time. And to get up to the summit, um, with my friends and with Sarah and to just experience that and to look back at where we've come from, and what we've been through over the past three years was just, that climb was um, quite a moment for me and for us. And um, really grateful to be able to do that. And I bring everyone, I brought everyone up there with me, like all you guys in the Howling Place, everyone in the Man Up to Cancer community, Colon Town, the Cancerland people, like, I cannot name you by name because there's too many, but all, the, all of you folks that I love and that I've been supporting you and you've been supporting me throughout this time. Like when I do things like that and get up there to the top of Mount Pierce, I have you in my heart and we're all up there together. And I love that feeling. So thanks for being there with me. Um, more gratitude for the immunotherapy. It has extended my life. Like there's a lot of people in the colorectal cancer community and in other cancers that aren't good candidates for immunotherapy. Um, and fortunately, just because of my biology, I, I lucked out that immunotherapy has done a really good job extending my life. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for all the docs, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the techs, counselors, all the providers, um, everyone, everyone who has, it's a big team. And I've, and I've consulted with a lot of people over the past three years and, and everyone has just been fantastic. And, has been in our corner and done everything they could to get us where we want to be. Um, I'm, I'm an incredibly lucky person. I, um, I wouldn't trade this life for any other one. I, I am blessed in so many ways from family to friends to community. It is always humbling and I, I'm so thankful. Um, so I feel like I'm leaving some out, but I just wanted to just have a a moment where I could catch people up on. I, I know that people tune into the podcast to listen to conversations with others in Cancer Land and, and different topics, and and but I know that there are a lot of you who care about me personally and, and my journey and our family, and to me, that is... Um, just so meaningful, and I, and I couldn't be more thankful for your support. Um, so the the next steps for me here are I, I'm depending on what I do with my treatment, I may have to pull back a little bit on the man up to cancer stuff in terms of maybe I'll do the podcast every couple weeks for a while, or maybe I'll take a break, or maybe I'll just do it in a different way, um, or maybe I just won't change a thing and just keep <laughs> plowing forward with what I've been doing it. I, one thing with this whole journey is you have to be flexible um, and you have to be ready to change, but, but also you can't let that stop you from tackling the things you want to tackle. Like when I started this podcast last summer, I, I knew that there would, could be, you know, times when I would have to mix it up or take a break or do different things. And I could, and I thought back at the time, like, well, if, if those things are likely with my cancer, like. You know, maybe, am I biting off more than I can chew? And the answer is no. Um. You ca- we can't let our cancer stop us from doing the things that bring us joy and passion. And this podcast has been one of those things for me. And if I had not done it out of fear because of, of you know, having to change at some point in the future, like, that's just dumb. Um And... So I guess what I'm saying is I, I really encourage all of you to find some things that you're passionate about, jump into them, you know, you might feel limited, you might feel not ready, you might feel like you don't have anything to give or or that you don't want to start something that you can't follow through on, but do what you have, where you are, and, and as you can, and then adjust along the way. Like, and everyone is, you know, everyone's so good about it, like, when I tell people, like, yeah, my cancer's being stubborn, so I have to be stubborn uh, stubborner. So I say to my girls. Um, you know, people understand that that has to be the priority, like being a patient right now and solving, you know, this path through the shallows and the rocks has to be number one. And so if other things – and time with family. And so if other things have to take – have to go on the back burner, that, that is what it is, and everyone understands that. But, but, but people, and that's the beautiful thing is that when people who are collaborating with cancer patients understand that. And, and so everyone that I've been collaborating with and who has been helping me along the way with the man up to cancer mission totally gets, um, that things are always fluid. And, and my hope and my goal is to get to that point where I am in long-term stability or long-term remission and, and can put a bunch of other stuff on the front burner. Um, so that's it. That's it for today. That's my updates on, on where I'm at. Um, grateful to all of you. Thanks for being here. And um, I will keep you posted on what's happening with the podcast and everything else. Um, if you want to support the Man Up to Cancer mission, we do have this. the shop is open right now. We have a, like a permanent small collection, shirts, uh, sweatshirts, hats, decals, that kind of thing. If you go to manuptocancer.com. Um, just click on merch. Oh, um, yeah. So check it out. Um, everything that, all the revenue that comes through the store gets put back toward the Man Up To Cancer community, especially um, for swag and and stuff for the guys in our community who are struggling financially. Um, and I want to thank several of our Man Up To Cancer Howling Place guys who have donated um, their own money to to help out with the cause. Um, All right. It's Trevor signing out. We'll talk to you soon.